Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Auburn Undercover Roundtable. I'm your host, Brandon Marcello, along with Philip Marshall and Keith Niebuhr. Big week, of course, uh, for Auburn football. They host LSU Saturday, as most of you know. Um, also a big recruiting weekend. We'll talk about that with Keith here in a little bit, but we'll jump right into it with LSU. Auburn seems to have some confidence in its running game again. Of course, you know, they went against an FCS team in Alabama State, but what do you make of just Auburn's offense going into this game? That seems to be the, the biggest question mark. Uh, you know, I just don't think you know. I think that, uh, I think they're going to have to throw the ball. Uh, they're not going to be able just to line up and, and run it all day. And, uh, and they should, and they should be able to, but, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, there's just not much you can take out of, out of playing Alabama State. Uh, that's, that's, uh, that's such a mismatch. And, uh, uh, so, yeah, I think it's, uh, uh, yeah, but don't, in order to throw it, they're going to have to be able to run it some. So, and I, you know, I'll be surprised if they can't, as, as we've discussed before. Gus Malzahn's teams have always figured out how to run it and, I figured they'll be able to run. I don't think they're going to run for 300 yards, but I think they'll be able to run the ball. You know, I, I agree with Philip and Brandon. I'm, I'm guessing you're going to say the same thing. We just we don't know. The jury's still out, but, you know, the jury's still out on LSU. You don't know. You have such a small sample size this time of year, and it's always so funny that people have made these snap judgments yeah. on how the season's going to turn out. I mean, you know, we yeah after the LSU loss last year, I don't think many of us thought Auburn would be in the national title hunt come December. So you, you really don't know, but in terms of the offense – just kind of like what we always thought, lean on the pass early in the season as the, as the offensive line gets to gel a little bit and the, the running backs kind of get their feet wet. Uh, there's a lot of promise. There. I don't think there's any question about that. I, I don't know if Auburn's going to need to put up 500 yards offense. I mean, this is going to be a battle. Two teams that are, should be okay in the trenches. LSU, like, you know, Phillip always says about Auburn, you know, they feel like they're coming in to win. I mean, they're, it's LSU and, uh, that itself presents a challenge, just the name on the jersey and the, the logo on the helmet. But I think Auburn's better in the trenches. I think they will ultimately be able to run the ball, maybe in the second half. It's going to be a battle. I, you know, I, Eli Stove and Will Hastings, who knows how effective they're going to be, but just having them, I think, helps. And, uh, you know, look, Jared Stidham has been in these situations before. He's now won a lot of big games in just 15 games at Auburn or 16 games at Auburn. So, He's been there. He knows what to do. It's but it's still going to be a fight, no doubt about it. You know, the thing is, I, I think two things in Auburn's favor, or probably more than two, but one, the, the, the home team is sixteen and two in this series the last eighteen years, and and the two are the two worst Auburn teams in that time span, two thousand twelve and two thousand eight, and and Auburn almost won both of those games. Uh, and uh, the other thing is, Joe Burrow. One has not been overly efficient so far, and two two has not faced a defensive front like Auburn's, and three has not. This is his first first time to to start or or really play significant snaps in a, in a hostile atmosphere like he's going to face Saturday. So that'll be interesting to see how he responds. Yeah, I saw a stat where uh, times he was blitzed, his completion percentage is only about forty percent. Um, and his completion percentage anyway is pretty low at like, what, what is it? 47%. Yeah. So, I mean, um, it's, it's not great. And I, I think I was talking to someone yesterday about it and they, they countered argued with, well, he's completing 62% of his passes when he's not pressured. It's like, <laughs> well, he, he should, uh, 
62 percent is actually a, a average completion percentage overall. So um, anyway, I well, that you know, was you know, and he's going to be pressured. Oh well, yes, you know, yes. Even when I they're guess, not blitzing. Well, yep. and I guess the question is, yeah, I mean, Brandon, I'm, I'm going to follow on what you just said. The question is, if Auburn can get forward to him. You know, Auburn's secondary, you know, didn't uh, – yeah, still still green, let's be honest. And, uh, you know, LSU's going to have some big play type receivers, big physical receivers like they always have, probably not as talented as what we're used to seeing, but still talented nonetheless. And, you know, if Auburn can get pressure with, you know, three, four guys, it's going to make it easier for, uh, you know, the back part of the defense. So we'll see. I mean, that efficiency level, uh, the completion centers for Burrow has got to be a major concern. But, you know, they're going to do what they always do. They're going to throw those quick slants. That's yep. their big three, and then they're going to throw deep a few times, and and then on third and long, they somehow somehow one of their big, they, they find guys open. But you know, we'll see. I mean, every week that he's there, you have to figure he's going to develop a little bit more cohesion with his receivers. Remember, he didn't get there that long ago. So again, it, it's going to be a test. But the inconsistency with the completion percentage is is got to be a major concern if you're LSU. Well, yeah, I, think I think that. Go ahead, Philip. I think it's paramount for both teams. That they be that the run be enough of a threat that it it, it keeps the defensive defensive fronts from just pinning their ears back and going after the quarterback. If if uh, either one is able to do that without being concerned about the run, then then it's going to be a really tough day for somebody. Yeah, I thought Keith, you know, you, you brought up a good point there. Um, listen, you get to Joe Burrow, that's great, but Auburn's got to stop them on third and long, and Auburn's had some issues on third and long, even against Washington uh, a few times in some crucial points of the game. Now, the overall third down you know, conversion rate was really good for Auburn's defense, but there were some third and longs in that game against Washington that they were able to convert that really you know, frustrated the defense and allowed Washington to one get in the red zone and, and or score later on. So uh, that's something to watch in this game. But Burrow, uh, as we mentioned, getting to him is you know really crucial, but – this is a guy, he can't really move in the pocket either. This isn't a guy I think that's going to create on his own, say it's second and six, a play breaks down, he's able to roll out while he's rolling out and he's able to run up field and get that six yards. I think he's a little bit different from the previous two quarterbacks Auburn's faced. Well, I just don't think he's, and, and look, I, he, I may be completely surprised, but I will be very surprised if he's in the same league with one that played in the first game. Um, oh, yeah. Jake, with, with Jake Browning. Uh, uh, so I, I think that, uh, you know, like I said, I, I think that it's paramount for both teams to be able to run the ball, but particularly for LSU. Cause I do think that the difference in the game to me, I think LSU's defense is really good. The difference in the game is how LSU's defense compared to Auburn's offense and vice versa. And I think Auburn's offense has more of an advantage against LSU's defense than, than LSU's offense does against uh, Auburn's defense. I'll, I'll say this for LSU's offense. They don't put the ball on the ground. They don't turn it no. over. So that's interesting, too. But, you know, Auburn has won uh, with great defenses without really causing a ton of turnovers anyway. So that's not really a huge issue. But, you know, I, I expect LSU, knowing what they're facing in the Auburn front, to try to try to match protect, throw deep a few times, actually probably a good bit of times, and it'll be a little feast or famine. That may create some uh, some angst for some people, but it also may create some opportunity for Auburn secondary. But that, that's just a guess based on what I think LSU's capable of doing, which probably yeah. isn't much against the front. Yeah, I talked to I talked to uh, a couple of LSU guys last night, and uh, they, were, they were just dogging their own offensive line. 
um, about just how bad it's been and all that. And I said, well, I mean, Auburn's in a somewhat similar case, you know, situation with its own offensive line. You know, they still don't quite know what they have as far as run protection against SEC type quality opponents. They've only faced one so far. Um, but, um, it's, it's going to be interesting to watch Auburn's offensive line, or excuse me, defensive line against that LSU offensive line because they've been dealing with injuries, suspensions, yeah. and they haven't quite gelled at all this season. Even against Miami, they had some issues. But I wanted to change the subject a little bit, and we'll talk about the offensive line as well with this. But with their running back, Nick Brossett, he's, he's averaging 130-plus yards a game, but a couple of those uh, that average is kind of buoyed by a couple of huge runs. He's had a 92-yard run, I believe, and a big run against Miami as well. Um, but uh, Kevin Steele said he's very impressed with him. He he watched him when he was on the scout team at LSU when Steele was the defensive coordinator there a few years ago. Um, LSU seems to have found their running back uh, when everybody kind of thought that would be a weakness. But just how good – is LSU's running game, do you guys think? Well, I think that uh, he might be good. But I don't think he's as good as the two that came before him. Uh, oh, there's no doubt about that. <laughs> so, and if, you're not, and if you're not getting any place to run, that, that's an issue. I, I, you know, you know, it's all, it's all, you know, who knows? But, uh, yep. uh, you know, Miami played really bad in that game and, LSU deserves some, at least some of the credit for making them play bad. Uh, Certainly. I don't know, if, I don't know if Miami's any good or not. And, uh, it's, uh, it's just hard for me to see LSU getting much done on the ground against Auburn's front seven. If they can, then, then I'll be surprised that it'll be a heck of a game. Yeah. It's, I, it's just hard for me to see that. Yeah. I, I agree, but I wouldn't be, I mean, you know, look, I, LSU's a funny team to figure, man. I mean, every once in a while they sneak up and, and beat somebody that they maybe shouldn't, like Auburn last year. They, they thrive on momentum. They thrive on a big play here or there on both sides of the ball. They're just a kind of a funny team. There's often not a lot of rhyme or reason to what they what they do. You can't figure them out from one week to the next, and that's, to me, has kind of been the story for a few years. Now, I mean, um, but they've got talent. Uh, running the ball, yeah, you're right. I don't see Brissett as being that guy like they've had, but he's capable. I don't think there's any question about that. And, again, if they play turnover-free ball, that's one key to keeping them in the game. Um, it's just, you know, we, when you look at all the ways you say, okay, how could Auburn win? How could LSU win? It just seems like it's going to take a lot more to, to fall for LSU. You know what I mean? It's just like man for man, they don't seem to – it doesn't seem like a great matchup for them, a guy that's not mobile at quarterback going yeah. up against this defensive line, a uh, running back that, you know, he's good, but people need to see more before they really anoint him as being, you know, an upper echelon SEC back. But, again, they do have good receivers – I don't know. It's a funny team to figure. It, it really is, and, and I just don't know how they're going to consistently run the ball against Auburn. I just don't see it. In fact, if they fall behind, they're not going to run the ball at all, probably. Right, and, and Joe Burrow mentioned this, uh, I don't know, sometime earlier this week. He said that they're going to have to throw the ball very well to, to beat Auburn. Um, and maybe that's just him talking because he's a quarterback, and the same guy who also said he doesn't slide. Um I, I would slide against Auburn. I would State recommend sliding. Yes, I would too. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know they're gonna. They probably Brandon. If I could interrupt, you know they probably will throw a, a lot, like he says. But you know, I guess maybe the difference is 
do they have – you can Brissett break off long runs. You, you complete a lot of passes. You can nickel and dime your way up the field all you want. Right. If they aren't – if they don't have the big play capability that they've had in the past few years, that's going to make it even harder. So, I, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like the stars are aligning for LSU. But when that happens, that's sometimes when that program pulls a rabbit out of its hat. Yeah, Joe Burrow's averaging, I think, six yards per pass attempt. So, you're exactly right there. Then pulling rabbit out of the hat more often than not is, is, is Tiger Stadium. Uh, yeah. Right. I, I just, uh, and I'm not predicting this, but this has the same kind of feel as it had in 2014. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. and Auburn won 41-7. Yeah, that 2014 game, if everybody doesn't remember listening to this, uh, Brandon Harris, I think, was anointed the starter's first yeah. start. And uh, looked absolutely lost uh, against that Auburn defense. Now, I, I would think that Joe Joe Burrow is, is more mature than he was, but yeah. But but, uh, but at the same time, I mean, Auburn's got a better defense to go around too. A, a better, better defense, offense, maybe. A better defense. And Jordan Hare Stadium for a big game like that is a tough place to be, especially if you, if you haven't experienced really it or anything like it. I mean, there's other places yeah. in the SEC, obviously, that are the same. But uh, if uh, if you haven't experienced it before, that's pretty could be pretty tough. I guess if you're LSU, maybe a little optimism in the sense that again, Burrow each week probably gets a little more comfortable with his line, sure. with his coaches, with the receivers. But also, maybe those first two weeks they have discovered what works more and what doesn't work more. Maybe maybe that has something to do with the completion percentage as well. They're still trying to figure out a little bit about each other, the team, him, the receivers, all that stuff. So who knows? I, I don't know. I, I'm not. Uh, it doesn't seem like it's a, it's a good matchup, like we've all pretty much agreed. But you know, Auburn goes out there and turns it over a couple of times. Yep. So to me, that's that's the key for Auburn. I think when you're the better team and you're playing at home, if you don't turn it over, you should win. If you turn it over, then all bets are off. Who knows what's going to happen? I mean, we've seen it so many times, and uh, if you want to see it against a lesser opponent, I, I, I always look back to that Mercer game last year. Auburn turned the ball over. Four or five times, five times. Five times, yeah. And it was a seven-point game in the fourth quarter. Um, Good thing but, it was a lot lesser opponent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> if it had been just a little bit lesser opponent, they wouldn't have won. Right. Um, so can't do that against LSU. Can't turn the ball over even three times, I would think. And especially, you know, we always bring up uh, the red zone issues for Auburn. And last week, Jartavius Whitlow, who is a guy who's going to carry the ball, you would think, quite a bit in this game. Um, fumbled the ball as Auburn was crossing into the red zone against Alabama State. It was a it was a tough way to lose the ball the way he got hit uh, by a safety. You kind of get hitting him right where the ball was, but still can't afford that. Can't drive down the field, get in the red zone, turn the ball over, and have issues. Well, I can't believe you will. He'd have to do push-ups. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I just, I mean, fifty push-ups for one turnover. Um, he's kind of harsh, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. But then again, he's very much, in, especially after a game, after playing. I was gonna say his fifty push-ups for him and one of us be a lot, lot different. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, but uh, Mama's uh, got him in check though. <laughs> yeah, but I, obviously, not turning the ball over is crucial. Whether it's uh, whether it's fumbles or interceptions, and uh, really, I mean, Auburn had the four turnovers, I guess, against Alabama State. The only one that really I thought meant anything uh, was that one, because uh, yeah. that was the first quarter. The others were by uh, young guys, and the game was over. And uh, but uh, but he can't do that. And if he does it again, 
he'll pay the price if I don't play it, and I don't have any question about that. He, he needs yeah. to be on the ball because there are other options back there. Yeah, yeah. Gus Malzahn's big about that. He's always about, hey, listen, I'm gonna. <laughs> you're probably gonna be riding the bench if you fumble, but also shows, I think, how much confidence and how much of a learning curve Whitlow still has in trying to handle things. Uh, you know, uh, just holding on to the ball, uh, pass protection. Um, you know, finding the right holes, making the right cuts. I mean, Gus Malzahn keeps saying it. I mean, he even said it this past week. When we're all like, hey. You know, Whitlow got, you know, three times the production of Cam Martin, two times the carries uh, in this game. And Gus Malzahn's answer is, well, he's a freshman. We wanted to get more freshman playing time. And, one, I think they're preparing Whitlow for a bigger role, obviously, this season. But we all have to remember, this is his first season playing college football, too. Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, uh, and you, like I said, you just can't turn it over in a game like this. You just can't. And it, uh, that's the quickest way to get beat. If you turn it over three times, you better hope your defense does the same, get, get, gets the same yeah. in return. Uh, yeah. You know, Whitlow's got an odd running style. I was wondering what you guys made of that. A lot of, a lot of stutter steps, a lot of, uh, like it's almost like he's skipping out there, hopping around. What do you guys make of yeah. that? I like it. Um, yeah. I like it. Um, it's, it's not was, coach calls it unorthodox. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, there was one run, I think, in the second half when he was just toying with Alabama State when he did it, and he picked up big yardage on it uh, on what, if he was facing SEC defense doing it, it would have been like a two-yard gain instead of gain like 10 yards. But, um, Philip, I'm, I'm interested, you talked to, to Whitlow's family and everything th- this week uh, for a story. Uh, I'm just interested, what, what did you learn on your trip uh, to his hometown about, one, the type of athlete he is, but also the type of, person he is and maybe what they believe we will see uh from him in his career at Auburn. Uh the the biggest the biggest things that stood out to me about what kind of person he is were uh uh his, his willingness to work and his 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 uh desire to 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 do the right things and do do what he's told and uh he's obviously got a very close family and uh extro- extremely Extremely supportive family, even when they make him do push-ups, and uh, uh, and, and that as far as an athlete, you know, and I probably should have known this. He was an all-state basketball player and yeah. led his team to a state championship. He's got nine state track championships and led his team. Actually, won the basically won the state track championship by himself. Yep. yep. Uh, and uh, played played all kind all kind of positions. Uh, you know, was the quarterback his last two years, but also played other positions. And and one thing in the story, to, 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 anybody hadn't seen it, it's on the website today, is that uh, uh, he said he came he came to uh, Coach Lucas came to to uh, Lafayette when uh, the summer before uh, Whitlow's sophomore year, mm-hmm. and he said he had seen him on tape. He watched a bunch of Huddle tapes of guys before he got there, and uh, so he knew he was a good athlete. And he, he said, in a, in a preseason game, they, he, he was playing wide receiver then, and they just threw threw, a, threw him a quick pass. And he said, this cornerback and the safety and the uh, outside linebacker hit him in unison, and he just kind of stepped back and gathered himself and took it for a touchdown. And he said, I said, then we got somebody special here, and uh, 
uh, he thinks he's got a chance to do big things, obviously, and uh, uh, as do his parents. So I, I think that, but the biggest thing is how hard he works that I got out of it, and how bad he wants to do things the right way. You know, I, I think it's interesting. You know, he, he's, you know, I remember visiting a year ago, heard the same things. The hard worker uh, part of it, obviously, you got to have that. But he's also extremely confident. Um, talking to him a year ago, he said, I'm going to start as a freshman. I'm going to do it. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to get on the field as a freshman. Well, that didn't happen. But then you go a year forward and you think, okay, maybe he's been humbled a little bit. Maybe even the you know media relations staff has gotten to him and trained him a little bit. Like, hey, let's not make pre, you know bold predictions on all this. But after the Washington game, man – uh, really confident guy. He's called himself Earthquake and he gave Cam Martin a nickname and all yeah. this stuff. This is a guy that I think you'd need on an offense. He's, he's not confident where he's trashing an opponent or belittling right. someone. Right. He's talking himself up and what he believes in himself and his teammates. I think that's huge. And especially for a guy that, as we said, is only a redshirt freshman. Yeah. You know, uh, one, one thing his coach said that was interesting. I, I was really impressed with his coach and it's, and how much he cares about those kids, and and of course a lot of the kids at the small town school like that, they come from, they don't have much. Yeah. And uh, and he said the one thing I told Weeby before he went to went, went to Auburn was, he said, remember your name's not just yours. He said it belongs to your family, it belongs to us, it belongs to it belongs to all the people that care about you, and you remember that. And uh, I thought that was pretty good. That's that's very good, and he, that coach he's he's not your typical small town coach either. No, I mean, he's 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 got a quite the extensive background in coaching. Yeah, and, um, play, and played on the national championship team at Troy. Right, right. Um, very very impressive up there. I I, I was like you, Philip, but I went up there. I was like, I'd expect a small town vibe. And so like, no, I've done this and that. Oh, by the way, I won a national championship at Troy, and his family's just real close knit. He was talking about his brother and. Right. Um, is, does his dad still uh, involved with the barber shop? He's, got, he's, he's a barber, an associate minister, and and he and his wife own a gym. Isn't that crazy? Isn't which that is where we, which is actually where we talked yesterday, was in their yeah. gym, uh, which is right right in the middle. I guess you'd call it downtown. Well, I gotta, yeah. I, I, gotta I gotta ask Philip, how much did you bench press when you were in there? I think that's what everybody, <laughs> think that's what everybody wants to know right now. Not right. <laughs> Surprise, Booby's mom didn't make you get down on the floor and do push up before the interview. <laughs> that would have been a disaster. I don't know if I can do one. But, uh... <laughs> yeah, but uh, everybody should go read that. Great stuff. And yep. uh, just a, a great family um, and great support system. You can see why Booby is the way he is uh, as a person. Um, Keith, well, I want to transition real quick here to recruiting. It's a big weekend recruiting-wise with this LSU game. Yeah. As it should be when these big SEC games happen, Auburn wants to bring the best of the best in. What can you tell us uh, about this weekend and what to expect from uh, Auburn on the recruiting trail? Well, in the old days, you know, you wouldn't have too many official visitors during big weekends like this because the coaches don't have a ton of time with these guys. You know, they've got the game. They've got a, they got so many responsibilities. But the, the, it, the, the way the recruiting cycle is now with guys committing early and now you have this early signing period, it's imperative that you do host people during the season. And Auburn's going to have four or five official visitors, really the two guys, well, I'll say three guys of note, running back Kenny McIntosh out of Fort Lauderdale. Miami leads, but many people wonder why he hasn't committed yet. He's down there. He's supposedly a strong Keynes lean. Well, why hasn't he, why hasn't he done it yet? 
So Auburn thinking they're in it uh, along with Oklahoma. Oklahoma probably running number two right now. Then another big one, Derek Hall, a four-star buck linebacker. That's that, you know, the guy that gets after the quarterback. you got to have those guys. And Auburn leads. Uh, he just visited FSU officially two weeks ago. Excellent visit, but he came out of that visit with Auburn still in front, and our sources tell us in Tallahassee that FSU thinks that Auburn's the team to beat here. It wouldn't be a shock if this goes well this weekend, that he commits sometime in the near future Mississippi State, the other team to watch. And then on the offensive line, you have a guy named Will Putnam out of Plant High School in Tampa, Florida. I believe uh, a former Auburn signee, Derek Winter, a receiver, was from that school. It's the home right. school of, uh, of Wade Boggs, of Mike Williams, the NFL receiver, Aaron Murray. Just an outstanding athletic school. Preston Tucker plays in the major leagues. Uh, Will Putnam's really the next great athlete out of that school. State championship wrestler. And you saw how that's worked out with Nick Coe at Auburn. And also a top 100 recruit as an offensive guard. It's Auburn and FSU. It's a real battle there. Auburn's really selling the academic side of things and the culture fit. They think he's a quiet kid with Midwestern roots that they think kind of fits into that kind of workmanlike mentality that it seems so many Auburn kids uh, recruits have, and that's not to say they don't have them at other schools. I don't want to denigrate any other programs. But that's kind of what Auburn sells and, and what they believe in. Uh, he's very close with a few of the Auburn commits, uh, including tight end Luke Deal, and they speak a lot. And, and, you know, Auburn's got a real shot here. And, you know, and a few months ago, that wasn't the case. I don't think people thought Auburn had much of a chance that he was all FSU, and he hasn't committed to FSU. He's an early enrollee. Auburn's trending up a little bit. If they do well this weekend with him, you know, some good things ha- could happen. You know, he told me just last night that he said, hey, I put things off because I wanted to see how these teams started the season. Well, we've seen how FSU, <laughs> well, we've, we've seen how FSU started, and we've seen how Auburn started. Now, is Phillip and Brandon know that that can change, you know, in a blink of an eye in the other direction. So, you know, take yeah. it for what it's worth. But that's what he told me. And uh, one other unofficial visitor of note is five-star in-state center Clay Webb. For months and months and months, people have thought he's all Bama. In recent months, though, it sounds like Georgia is trending some, and Auburn feels like it's much more in it than people have ever given them credit for based on our, based on our sourcing. Uh, he's visiting with his mom this weekend. Again, just an unofficial visit, but he's a quiet kid. You know, you, you guys probably won't believe this. At some camps, people have seen him off to the side by himself sitting in a corner reading, reading books. <laughs> okay. You don't see that every day, believe me. Not anymore. Not at a camp. Okay. I'm not saying these guys aren't academic guys, but you're there for football, you know. Uh, but a very studious guy, very humble, down to earth, and, and to himself kind of guy. Again, somebody that Auburn thinks fits in with what they do. He's very good friends with Kenny KJ Britt, the linebacker at Auburn. They were former teammates. This kid was offered by Auburn going into his ninth grade season. They've been recruiting him ever since. The guy that offered him way back when, JB Grimes. So Auburn's in it. Uh, it's still a little bit of an uphill battle, perhaps. We think. He doesn't say much. This is all based on sourcing. Uh, but, you know, they're in it. And the fact he's going to be there this weekend with guys like Bo Nix really spending time with him, from what I'm told, could have a good impact on him. A lot of work to be done. But those are some, those are four guys that the fans really want to pay attention to. Let me ask you a question, Keith. Yeah. Uh, you being the, uh, the guru of all oh, things God. recruiting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how, much, how much difference do you think it makes – I mean, obviously, players want to go someplace where they got a chance to win. Yeah. But just the outcome of a game, their vision, yeah. the, the team, their vision loses the game. How much impact do you think? Yeah, that I, has? I think it's more of an affirmation. Like, I know I want to go to Texas. I go there. They beat A and M the the weekend. I'm there, and everything's fantastic, and I'm overcome with the emotions. And that just says that just tells me, you know, this is where I wanted to be. 
But in terms of really changing someone's mind, I don't know. I mean, you know, I think we don't give these kids enough credit. It were their families, quite frankly. Uh, you know, they're looking at a lot of these things. They want to, they, they're looking at patterns, develop, player development, academics. Uh, you know, so every kid's a little bit different. But I don't think the outcome of one game changes too many minds, too many minds. Now, really for a younger kid, though, if you're a ninth or tenth grader out there and you watch this game and maybe you go in an LSU fan and you don't know much about Auburn and, Boy, you just fall in love with Auburn that day, and you become yeah. a big-time recruit, and that, maybe that opens your eyes to a program. But in right. terms of being the slam-dunk difference, hardly ever, I would think. I've never heard anybody say, well, rarely. I mean, we're going back 20 years of me doing this. You don't hear very often somebody say, well, if they won that game, that's why I'm going there. You, uh, you're, are, do you remember a player from Palatka, Florida, named uh, Clayton Buford? I don't, you know, and I don't, and I should. That was probably before your time. It's 1970s. Well, I should because, you know, Palatka obviously isn't too far from where I grew up. But you definitely, Palatka is the town, if you don't know that you smell it, about 10 miles out. He was a big-time recruit who committed to Auburn and signed with Auburn in Doug Barfield's home. And I guess it was his freshman year. I was talking to him at Sewell Hall, which used to be the athletic dorm. And I said, you had all these offers, why Auburn? And he said, well, I'm going to tell you why. He said, I came to Auburn for the, when they played Richmond and they won. I want to say the score is 55 to 19. That could be wrong. 55 to 19. And he said, the Friday night before that, my high school team won 55 to 19. And I huh. just said that somebody was trying to tell me something. Well, wasn't that the wasn't 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 that the hey, wasn't that the era of astrolo- astrology, numerology, all that stuff? You know, you get a big time recruit because your score is the same. No, you really look, and you really don't know. I mean, you're trying to do all the right things, and then and then you never know though. Maybe somebody else felt good about getting him. You know what I mean? Wait a second, we didn't get this guy because of what? You know what I mean? So yeah. it's just recruiting. Funny, look, you know, the bottom line is, guys. I'm 46, Brandon. You're younger than me, Philip. You're a little older than me. We, at times in our lives, we can't make decisions, okay? And, and we've we've sort of been through life a little bit, you know what I mean? Yep, so, yep. being a teenager, having everybody telling you're great, having people like me blowing oh, up I, your I, phone I, all the time. I would not you, have, well, yeah, I can tell you I that. Wouldn't, well, let me tell you something. If you've ever seen the movie Johnny Be Good, that's who I would have been. Okay, <laughs> I would have been in trouble. I would have been you know, dating 15 people at once. I mean, you know, I I can't barely handle. Uh, any kind of good run right now, okay, in my mid-40s. So I, I get it. I get it. It's tough on these kids. But, you know, if you're Auburn this weekend, you're just trying to put on a good show, make sure they get uh, the, the proper amount of one-on-one time with the coaches before the game, Friday. Friday's difficult, obviously. Uh, and then, you yeah. know, Sunday Sunday morning. Now, the good thing is, being an afternoon game, it'll be over early evening. That'll allow them to spend more time with the guys. You know, what's underrated, a couple of things, guys, and I know I'm going on and on, but one, the valuable time, a recruit can spend with the current players. Do I believe what these guys are telling me about the team? Uh, and if so, do I feel comfortable around these guys? Can I be teammates with these guys? And then also, nobody talks about it, and I bring it up a lot. Christy Malzahn is incredible, according to multiple parents no that I've talked to. Incredible, mm-hmm. okay? And, uh, you know, I've seen personal touch with her. Just uh, uh, the one day I was over there and a, a hospice patient came. Uh, and, and the lady has since unfortunately passed away. And I saw Christy just take this one-on-one time and really make this person feel special. And they say that's what she does with mom and dad, grandma, grandpa, aunt and uncle, uh, and, and the kid and everybody. And, uh, you know, I don't think you – know, you just don't think of the coaches' wives of playing these integral roles. But when you sell family, and that's what Auburn recruiting 
really is about more than any other any other thing. Now they win, yes, and they develop guys and put guys in the pros, but it, they sell the family aspect. No well, you, you can tell, you can talk about it, but can you show it? And and they do a good yeah. job showing it, I think. Gus has said that she's the best recruiter on the staff, even though she's not on staff. So yeah, she's good. I believe that thoroughly. She takes it. She takes it personal too. Yeah. Uh, last summer, I asked her about when they were recruiting Russell Wilson when he was transferring from North Carolina State. And they thought, oh, they, yeah. they thought they were going to get him, and uh, uh, and uh, she was talking about all all she tried to do and cooking for him and all this stuff, and she was still bitter. <laughs> yeah. You know, they these coaches remember the recruiting losses more than they remember the recruiting wins sometimes. Just like in with the games, I mean. They lose sleep over games they lost 20 years ago. You know, yep. same thing. Same thing with recruits. But boy, I tell you, we'll have to have a show just on great recruiting stories. And Philip, I know you write some of that stuff every year close to signing day. But what you told about the young man from Palak, i mean, there's so many wild stories like that. It's, it's amazing. But again, you just do what you can do. Put on a good show. Try to make a kid feel at home one and feel that he can be—he can fit into the program off the field and on the field, and then academically. Like, I mean. There's no magic formula here. It's just yeah. it's a lot of the same stuff everybody's trying to do. It's just who does it better. And then, Ru- yeah. you know, go ahead. Yeah, I was just to say, Russell Wilson, speaking of him, he's a guy that they thought that uh, they could have went from an eight-win season to double digits or maybe oh, yeah. more. No question. No um, and that's, that's, that's how big he was uh, for them in that recruiting uh, cycle. So you just never know. Um, I wanted to hit on quickly. It's also a big weekend for – basketball recruiting and there could be some big news coming out this weekend as well three uh recruits are visiting officially two four-star guys jalen williams ishmael Mossad, and point guard tyrell jones they will be visiting this weekend uh williams and and ishmael kind of it's auburn's near or at the top um uh obviously georgia's kind of involved with both of them but Auburn's feeling pretty good about two of these three kids right now. Uh, Tyrell Jones is a kid that it doesn't necessarily have the high rankings, but did an incredible job on the AAU circuit recently and has really caught the eyes of a lot of teams. And he's visiting this weekend. I would not be surprised if Auburn gets a commitment or two this weekend uh, out of basketball. And uh, our Evan Daniels said it. But this basketball recruiting class for 2019, you know, there hasn't been a lot of talk about it, but with these official recruits and some others down the line, they could potentially have a top five or top ten recruiting class, which is saying something considering Bruce Pearl, who's done a lot of firsts at Auburn already, signed the first five-star recruit in Auburn history and then signed the second one, and now he might have a top five recruiting class on his hands if everything goes right, of course. Uh, that, that's, that's quite the feat, and that's really amazing considering I think the just just the things that were going on a year or so yeah. ago. I mean, uh, uh, but he's he's good, and uh, yeah. I'll tell you this: I, I, basketball is at a place in terms of enthusiasm at Auburn. I've been around here a long time, and even when uh, uh, in the Sunny's days when they were going to five straight NCAA tournaments and an Elite Eight and two Sweet Sixteens, or the the year Cliff won the SEC championship. Uh, I've never the seen Cliff Dwellers, right? But I still never see as much enthusiasm, widespread for basketball as there is now. It's amazing. This 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 upcoming season, as we all know, could be very special. 
They really got good. all the pieces. They've got all the pieces. It really good. It's gonna be so much fun. Uh, I, I talked to Sonny Smith at, at Hal Baird's, the thing honoring Hal Baird Saturday morning. I, I asked him, I said, is this the most, is this the most talented basketball team Auburn's ever had? Especially considering that, you know, he had first round draft choices and Charles Barkley, <laughs> Chris Morris and Chuck Person. And, uh, he said, he said, I don't know that. They got guys that are better than those three guys. He said, but right. they got, he said, but they've got more than any team I've ever been aware of here as far as just numbers and, and talent combined. And the secrets of mixing that drink as always, and we always find it out like after the first game or two is Jared Harper. No question. Like, kid's incredible. No question. Uh, it's severely underrated. It's going to be a challenge for Bruce to, uh, just, just to get it organized and, you know, cause yeah. you, got, you got a lot of guys that think they're supposed to be playing. Well, he seems to always figure it out. I always think back to his Tennessee teams and the rotations they used. Um, he wasn't afraid to pull a guy, rotate him in, give him a breather and, and put him back out there, even when they were performing very well. And Tennessee seemingly didn't miss a step when they were at their high points at that point. And the reason for that was because, um, they leaned a lot on hot shooters, getting the open shots, and Auburn's got that with Bryce Brown, obviously, and Jared Harper to a certain extent. So I think with the the big men they've got right now, suddenly a, a team that was kind of thin last year in the front court, especially when oh, yeah. McLemore went down, they are extremely deep in the front court and could oh, yeah. rotate. I mean, I love Chumu Okiki. Obviously, Austin Wiley, I think, is going to be phenomenal. Oh, it's going to be the NBA. Um, uh Anthony McLemore's back. Um, they have got they have got some really really good options in that front court, and they can mix and match between the four and the five. Those guys don't have to play the five or the four; they right. could play both. They can move them around. You know, to have a six eleven guy, you could just go down there and throw it inside too. That's, yeah. a, that's something really not many people have anymore, and Auburn hasn't had in a long time. Yeah, and Bruce uh, Pearl has even mentioned before, hey, uh, I'm a guy that, uh, you know, I've, I've had big, big players before, and I've never utilized them quite well. And I remember Austin Wiley's, like, first game, he, like, fed him the ball, like, three straight times <laughs> just to kind of prove a point. And he even said after the game, he goes, you know, everybody critiques me about this, but I'm showing you I'm going to get the big man involved this year. I promise you. Um but he's he's got a load of talent this year, and um, they it's going to be interesting. But the I know we're talking a lot about football, but man, the SEC is going to be yeah. tough this year. Yep, it is. Should so, be fun. Should be fun to watch. Um, guys, uh, we'll close real quick here with more thoughts on LSU. Um, I, I would think, based off of the way we. Uh, just the way we're all conversing here, and we won't give official predictions. We'll say that for our fearless forecasters, but I would think that everybody's maybe kind of on board here if they're expecting an Auburn victory against LSU inside Jordan Hare Stadium. I think the point spread's pretty close. Tim, I do too. That's what I think. Yeah, I agree. I'm thinking 10, 12 points in that range. Uh, but you know, again, that you can dominate a team. And if you're not doing great in the red zone, you make it a lot closer than it should be, too. So that's another thing we're going to be watching closely. Okay, and I'll throw this out there hypothetically. I'll just be Mr. Negative. What happens if they lose? Do the fan? I mean, the fans will freak out anyway. Wow. Oh. It's not the it's not the end of the world, as Gus Malzahn would say, right? No, yeah, no, they'll think it is. I think that. Well, here's the thing. I think LSU can lose. I think if LSU comes here and plays a good game and it's tough and it goes down the wire and they lose. They'll be fine. They're on the road. 
uh, they're not the ones that's expected to win. For Auburn to lose, to lose at home to anybody. With what they got facing them on the road, yes, yes, uh, is going is going to really be a setback if that if that were to happen. Yeah, I agree. I mean, again, home game with a lot of tough games coming up, uh, it would be it would be extremely hard to overcome. It's going to be a hard season, with, <laughs> even if they win yeah, this game with yeah. points. I mean, you know. But, but your well, your goal right now is to get to Georgia with a chance to win it. Yes, uh, that's the goal. If you're Auburn, uh, yeah, and it would be if you just, if that didn't happen. That would be a big disappointment. It was one thing to come back from LSU last year when one, it was later in the season and two, two, you had those big games at home. And, yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, that's, you know, winning at Missouri and winning at, at Texas A&M, particularly last year and those kind of winning at Arkansas. Uh, uh, that's not the, that's not the same as Alabama, Georgia and Mississippi State on the road. Yeah, exactly right. And Ole Miss, Ole Miss. Even though I don't think Ole Miss can stop anybody enough to win a big game, but but goodness, if you're on the road against Ole Miss, you turn the ball over three times. Yeah, that's that right. Could, you get outscored. That could kill you. You get outscored. That's exactly right. So uh, it's very interesting season on tap. I'm I'm with you guys. They've got to win their home games to have a shot at winning an SEC title this year because it's all going to come down even. Even if they win their close games at home and all that, and everybody's making a big deal about that, it's still going to come down to Georgia. It's still going to come down to Alabama because Georgia's going to roll through that SEC East. At least they should. Um, and then, of course, Alabama, I, they might have the best offense they've had in the Nick Saban era. And that's, yeah. that includes that 2014 team when Lane Kiffin was, you know, predicting touchdowns before they happened. They, they, their offense, if you guys have watched it, I know they've, it's a small sample size and they haven't played the best of teams, but the execution's there. The talent's obviously there. I love the play calling. Bama is, uh, for real, deserving of the number one ranking. The SEC West, man, it's, oh, uh, oh, every year. Oh, and it, you know, it, it's this year, I think it's even better than people expected because, or it looks A&M. like, again, it's early. A&M <laughs> looked really good in that game. I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to put a, a, a lift up A&M too high just yet, but because uh, uh, to me, if you're if you're Dabo Sweeney, you just gave up 450 yards passing. You got to be worried about that. That's, Very uh, worried. Uh, uh, that's that's a lot. But that goes <laughs> back, and you know it more than anybody, Philip. Jimbo Fisher is the quarterback whisperer. Oh, no question. Uh, no question, and uh, he, he he definitely is, and he. Uh, but I was impressed. I, you know, I, I watched a little bit of their first game against Northwestern State, and I didn't really pay that much attention to anything. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I was impressed not just with the, the obvious difference in Kellen Mond from last year to this year. I mean, that was – you just can't argue that. I mean, uh, but just the way they played the game, just, just the way they played the game. They got behind. They still believed they had a chance. They kept playing. And uh, – and, you know, I, I watched that replay of the fumble over the pile on a bunch of times. I'm, I'm not convinced it was not a fumble. I, 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 it was obviously a fumble. I'm not convinced that it did not, that it was a bad call because it looked to me like it maybe it went right over the top of the pile. Yeah. I don't know, but. One day, one day and one day soon, I would think they're going to put a chip in the football with yeah. GPS to figure that all out. They've got to do it. 
But it's somebody those a, moments it's are somebody way hack, too big. But then somebody will hack into it and you'll uh, <laughs> make, make somebody fumble on every play. <laughs> I'll take an electrical shock. I'm not sure there's a fan base more hungry for a winner than A and M. I'll tell you. Well, they, uh, listen, and you better watch out too. With everything they've got, it's amazing they've had such a hard time getting it right because they've got every single thing it takes: uh, money, recruiting base, everything, commitment. You name it, they got it. I'll say this. You know, some people were criticizing A&M going to the SEC, and it was a big, big loss and all this. It was a bad decision by A&M. Uh-huh. Uh, man, did it prove to be a huge win for A&M, because look at Texas right now. And A&M financially is doing better than Texas, which for the longest time was the biggest athletics yep. department in the country. Hey, you look at, I think all four of the teams that have joined the SEC since 1992 would say that it's, uh, Oh, it's, certainly. It's been a boon for them. And, uh, but yeah, Texas, it, yeah. Texas A&M was the one that was in a, a conference that considered itself to be, uh, the same. Well, so was Arkansas, I guess, at the time. But, but, yeah. uh, but I don't, I don't think anybody at Texas A&M be wanting to go back. No. I mean, listen, um, you know, South Carolina came in when it was just floating out there. Arkansas came in when, it was they made the, the preemptive strike to to leave the the Big Eight or the SWC I should yeah. say, and if they did not leave when they did, Arkansas would probably be in Conference USA right now. Yeah, um, and they made that big leap. They were the biggest winner in '92, and then of course A and M and Mizzou. Mizzou I think is the biggest winner in that, but A and M has certainly taken advantage of it. It's amazing. We all knew it was a rich program. It's amazing how much of a jump they've made over the last four years financially. Yep. And, uh, Just incredible. Like I said, it's going to be – everybody better watch out for them. They're, I think they are the one that – they are the team that has the best chance to break through against those six teams that have won all the championships for more than 50 years. Uh, I used to think it was South Carolina, but I think their time kind of came and went. Yeah, it was scary. Yeah, and uh, I think Texas A and M is is the one with the uh, with with the best chance to do that. I certainly agree with that. They've got everything in place, and I think they finally have the coach in place to do You're it right. too. And they've done it in just about every other sport. Exactly. Um, even in basketball. Yep. Um, they've been doing it. All right, gentlemen. All right, thank guys. Thank you for joining me. It's it. been fun. This has been the Auburn Undercover Roundtable. Make sure to visit auburnundercover.com for full coverage. Make sure and go read Philip Marshall's extensive piece on Booby Whitlow, his family, his upbringing, and his rise to Auburn. A good read going into this LSU game as Booby Whitlow figures to be a big part of Auburn's plans going into that game. Thanks for joining us. Big recruiting weekend, too. It's a really, really big weekend on the Plains. Make sure and follow us at auburnundercover.com.